Thanks for listening to this teaching from City of Life Church. Check out www.col.tv for more great teachings, service times, and information on upcoming events. Now, let's join the service already in progress. Welcome, welcome, welcome to City of Life Church. Love you all. Thank you for watching online. Uh, We appreciate you. Uh, Don't ever consider yourself a secondary member. Uh, If you're watching online, I love the fact that we get to connect with people. I know that a lot of the amazing nurses that treated Jude are watching today uh, from from different places and and found out that Jude was going to be talking and um, have have reached out and said they're going to be connecting online. So it's it's a great opportunity for us to be able to bring what God is doing here at City of Life to you. I believe God's moving. Who in this room believes God is moving in the lives of people that are watching online right now? I believe that that's happening right now. So we speak over you that God will be lifting you up and building you up today uh, wherever you are. You uh, just jumped in on part two of a, of a series that we started last week called the Jonah Supremacy. And that is a, uh, the reason it's called the Jonah Supremacy uh, is Jonah was a prophet. And he was someone that God used to speak his word to the masses, to his, the chosen people, to Israel. And by doing that, some lines were drawn about who had God's favor and who didn't. And the Assyrians were people that Israel hated. They're mortal arch enemies. And so God tells Jonah, as this prophet who is holy, set apart, you know, he's, he's up here, all the bad guys are down here. He says, hey, I want you to go to the worst city in the world to your number one enemy and I want you to preach to them. And he actually calls Nineveh, the place where they live, he calls it that great city, which, which to Jonah must have been completely insulting because Jonah thought himself so much better than these people. So rather than listen to God, this is what we talked about last week, Jonah, as a matter of fact, Jonah lives in a place called Gat Heifer right here. And God calls Jonah to go to Nineveh, if you're looking at a map from your direction, which is right up here, which is Northeast. But what does Jonah do? He goes Southwest in the opposite direction. He's gonna go to a place called Tarshish. So he literally goes in the cardinal directions, the opposite direction of where God tells him to go. We do that all the time. Just so you know, God speaks to us. He tells us he wants us to live a certain way, act a certain way, do something. And instead of listening to his voice and heeding his voice, we take off in the opposite direction. And we find from Jonah that disobedience is a downward spiral. Uh, He goes down on the map. He goes down to Joppa, which is a city that is below where he is. He goes down onto the dock, down into the boat. Then when the boat starts... I mean, he's on this boat going to Tarshish and God sends a storm and the storm almost rips the boat to shreds. He's on this boat with all these fishermen. They're like, they're even smart enough to go. This is not a natural storm. Somebody has got something wrong with them on this ship. So they serve worship all these false gods. They like roll these dice and it like lands on Jonah that he's the one that's causing all this. So they go to him. They're like, dude, who are you? What is your problem? What God do you serve? Because what's happening right here is something bad. And he goes, yeah, that's me. I serve, I serve the God that created everything. And he basically says, this is all because of me. It's because of choice I made. By the way, he was sleeping down in the bottom of this boat. There's another story we talked about last week in the Bible where someone's sleeping in a boat during the middle of a terrible storm. And that person was actually Jesus. So Jesus was in peace during the storm. Jonah was in peace during the storm, which tells me that both of them had peace, but it was two different kinds of peace. There's a peace that comes from serving God and knowing his will. Then there's a false peace that comes from choosing your own way. So disobedience is a downward spiral. Jonah does everything he can to get away from God, to not obey because he thinks he's superior. And it takes him coming to the end of himself. When he finally goes overboard, he tells these guys, it's, it's really kind of, it, not kind of, it's suicidal. Instead of repenting on the boat and saying, God, I'm sorry, I'll just do what you wanted me to do. He says, just kill me. Just throw me overboard. You'll be fine. Throw me overboard. So they throw him overboard. And by the way, the moment they throw him overboard, it goes completely calm. So it was him. They, they, they're like, yo, It was him, like they knew. But the end of chapter one says that the Lord sent a great fish. So it's kind of a recap of last week. So I'm gonna read our text and then we're gonna pray and get into our message, part two of the Jonah supremacy. 
The text says this, Jonah 2. Then Jonah, then Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God, from the belly of the fish, saying, I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the flood surrounded me. All your waves and your billows passed over me. Then I said, I am driven away from your sight, yet I shall again look upon your holy people. The waters closed in over me to take my life. The deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped around my head. At the root, roots of the mountains, I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever. Yet you brought up my life from the pit, O oh Lord, my God. When my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord. And my prayer came to you into your holy temple. He's praying all this from the whale. Those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love, but I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will pay. What's that sound? It sounds like there's tea that's like brewing or something. Okay. Uh, I, I, what I have vowed, I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. And the Lord spoke to the fish and it vomited Jonah out upon the dry land. I'm gonna speak to you this week, part two, the Jonah supremacy. Today is... The theme is what to do on your darkest day. Father, thank you for this time together. Bless this message. Bless every person in this room. Thank you for this incredible praise report from Jude today. Uh, I pray in Jesus' name that that same miracle-working power that caused him to be healed is in this room today for all needs. Everyone watching online today, you are a miracle-working God. We believe there's power in the name of Jesus. We speak Jesus over cancer, over sickness, over disease, over addictions, Lord, over poor mental health, bad attitudes, an unredeemed past. And we say today is a brand new day of stepping into new life. Let it happen right now today. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody said, amen. There's two different ways that you can actually run from God. One is the more traditional way, and that would be someone that just sins, that just openly just doesn't care. You meet people all the time. They will tell you the things they do. There, there's absolutely no shame there. They are not even attempting in any way to follow after God. They don't really give a regard to the Bible. They'll openly tell you that I, I have my own truth. What's right for me is right for me. You do what you do. I do what I do. And that just entails anything. They'll sleep with who they want to sleep with, party, drink, whatever they want, do drugs. They'll live any kind of life, call themselves any kind of name they want, uh, identify as whatever they want. They do whatever they want because they literally don't care about the Bible or God in any way. Isn't it interesting? That's one way that you can run from God is by openly sinning. But there's another way that Paul actually talks about in Romans chapter one, two, and three, two different ways that we can run from God. Both lead you away from God in the opposite direction of God, but they lead you there in a way that looks very different from each other. The other way is to run from God through religion. Okay, now you say, well, what does that mean, run from God through religion? Religion can be the most cold, dead thing in the entire world. When you reduce religion down to simply obeying rules, going through rituals, going through procedures, well, I went to church this many times and I paid my tithes and I didn't do this and I didn't give. You ever met someone that doesn't do anything? It's like, they don't, I don't, I don't drink, I don't cuss, well, I would never do that. I, and they just go down the list, of, they just figured out how to not do anything. Somebody say religion. That's religion. Religion is not just simply a type of faith or a way of believing about God, but legalism, legalistic religion, believes that you can earn your way into heaven. Legalistic religion believes I deserve better than everyone else because I've earned more. And Paul teaches us, we learned this through the story of the prodigal son. Not, that's not what Paul teaches us. I'm, I actually changed my thought there. Paul teaches us this in Romans chapter one through three. I'll add to that, that we learn through this. We learn about this also through the story of the prodigal son because it's really the prodigal sons. You have one son that represents the first group that I mentioned that is out living this 
He's with prostitutes. He's taking his life savings. He's blowing it. He's just partying, just having the best time in the world. But what does he do? At his lowest moment, he remembers he has a father who loves him. What happens? He comes home, and when his father takes him back, which, by the way, if you've been out living the craziest life, all you got to do today is remember that you've got a father that loves you. Repent for what you've done. Come home today. He'll be waiting for you with open arms no matter what you've done, no matter where you've been. I don't care what anyone else tells you. This is what the Bible tells us about God's love. God will take you back. The moment that you repent and the moment you say, I don't want to live that way anymore, that's the wonderful part of that story. But there's a part that we don't think about too much. What is it? That there's an older brother who has been faithful, who doesn't cuss. He doesn't watch Game of Thrones. He doesn't, he doesn't party. He doesn't get drunk. He doesn't, do, he doesn't do any of that stuff. He's got it all figured out. He goes to church every week. He's done it all. And he will not go celebrate his younger brother. Why? Because he thinks he's better. He thinks that I deserve the party. You're telling me this guy who has taken this inheritance, which was mine, by the way, he took part of my inheritance, went out and blew it. And now because he's coming back means he's going to get his inheritance restored, which means I got to take a portion of what belongs to me, a third of what I have now that was mine and give it to him again. So this guy, you should be celebrating me, not him. That's the attitude of religion. Look at someone next to you and say, I'm not better than anybody. I know that's hard to say. That is really hard to say. That is really hard to say. Because in this story, we have a story of a religious man who believes he is superior. And he disobeys God because he thinks his way is so good that even God doesn't get it. It's dangerous when we can begin to believe that we're smarter than God. God knows what he's doing today. So you got these two ways, and Paul talks about it. He says, and you know, some have become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, and depravity. That's Romans chapter one. But in chapter two, he says, of some people, they like to follow the Bible. It says, you rely on the law and you boast in God. You know his will and approve of what is superior because you are instructed by the law. And after looking at all this, his summation of both types of people, both different types of running from God is this. He says, all have turned away. <laughs> One group is trying to follow God's law and the other ignores it. Yes, Paul says they've all turned away in different ways. And he says, all have turned away. And. I would just remind you today, as we're looking at Jonah, don't say, man, he was a jerk. No, we're jerks. You say, who, who, who are you referring to? You. <laughs> Why? You don't know me. No, I just know people. We're all, I mean, it, it's basically, it's sort of like until you get to that point where you're willing to admit that, you're going to be stuck believing that in, inside you may say on the outside, I'm not better than anybody, but you really go, well, at least I don't, dot, dot, dot. Or at least I'm not. That's what you feel in your heart. And what that is, is that is not recognizing the very thing that sent Jonah the wrong way. What it could mean is that if you're not careful, you'll go the wrong way. Because when God speaks to you about something to do, you'll consider it so be below you. Right? Am I, am I telling the truth here today or what? You'll consider it below you, maybe below your qualifications, maybe below what you're passionate about or what you're excited about or what you're into. Wait, but wait a minute, I didn't train my whole life to do this so you could go tell me to sweep floors. Well, if God told you to do it, you're going to do it. If you want favor and blessing on your life. So we have to learn this lesson through this story. So Jonah would rather die than obey and it's unbelievable, but in this story, God shows Jonah compassion. Jonah blatantly disobeys, goes in the wrong direction. They throw him overboard. The seas go completely calm. And it takes him getting in the belly of the whale before he'll worship. How much do you want to have to go through before you choose to worship? I'd rather just... Do it right now. 
Save the suffering. I want to just go for God right now. Come on, touch somebody on the shoulder. Say, don't wait one more day. Say, say, serve him right now. Worship him right now. Don't wait one more day. Worship him today. Worship him right now. Come back to him right now. Obey right now. Whatever he has spoken to you, listen to it. Well, he's not speaking to me. Well, what's the last thing he said to you? He told me four years ago to serve. Well, he probably ain't going to speak to you again until you do the last thing he told you to do. You've been wondering why he's not talking to you. Obey the last thing he said. Let's, let's learn from this today. That way it's not just some old story. It's something that's really personal for us today. This is a very, actually a very dark book. By the way, please come next week because we're going to end the series next week and it's going to end in a really weird way for a story. Most stories have a very happy ending. This is the worst ending in the entire Bible. <laughs> this story ends awful. Do you know, you know why I love that? Because A, it lets me know that the Bible is true because no author would have written this and put such a weird ending. It's got the weirdest. You say, well, define weird. Well, come next week. You'll see it's really weird. <laughs> like a worm, like a weird plant. Like it's just a really weird. It sounds like something from the movie Dune or something. It, it's really strange. So the reason, I, the reason I like it being in there is because not everyone ends up getting it. And if you get it, if you don't get it and you end up missing it, it can end with some very strange results. It doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to hell, but it just means that you just refuse to listen. And there's a lot of people like that. So I'm glad it's in the Bible because it teaches us that not, there's not always that fairy tale ending for everyone. Okay, so... In this passage, it says, from our text scripture, Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God, from the belly of the fish. He called out to the Lord. I said, I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me out of the belly of shale. I cried, and you heard my voice. Well, what is shale? Shale, to Jewish people, was hell. It was the afterlife. It was the place that you went to be judged, hoping that you would be resurrected. But it was not a place of true comfort. Matter of fact, some people viewed it as like a subterranean underwater. That's the crazy thing about this story. Underwater place that aspects of it were like that. Some viewed it like fire and there were at places there, depending on what you had done, where you're being either tortured or sort of in a m middle ground of some peaceful aspect, depending. There was like a barrier in between the very very strange. I've taught on this before, and I would love to go back again if we do a series. Would anyone be interested in doing another series on heaven and hell or maybe the afterlife, something like that? So we'll maybe get to that on. I don't normally take a poll, but I guess I just did that. But well, maybe we'll do that toward the end of the year. Talk about some of the, the, the beliefs then and then actually the way things are, are now because of a redeemed situation with Christ having the, the keys to hell and all. That's pretty cool stuff. But anyways, in, in this story, Jonah thinks he's dead. If you think that Jonah had the mental fortitude to be thrown overboard, to sink down toward the bottom of the ocean. By the way, uh, Pastor Amy and I watched a, a, a documentary recently about someone that was free diving. And they were going down like, I think it's, I can't remember, like 400 meters. It was like something really, really deep. But as they were going down, they were trying to set the world record they started blacking out on the way up and they completely lost their oxygen. I don't even, we didn't finish the documentary, but we don't know if this, it looked like they died. Like they, they, they were either dead or when they came up, they were completely unconscious. It was crazy. So my point is like when you start sinking, you're not getting philosophical. You know, you're, you're, not, you're, you're going, I'm dying right now. Like, and this is what happened. He's dying and then all of a sudden he's in the belly of this whale. Maybe he's unconscious and he's out, maybe he's asleep for a while, and you know he's slushing around, but he can breathe, and then he wakes up pitch black. He's, he doesn't, he feels something. He's not sitting there going, I'll bet you $1,000 I'm in the belly of a sperm whale. <laughs> They're the only creatures big enough to be able to swallow me whole without injuring me. I've got no cuts or bruises. I mean, it's weird. I'm just completely intact, but I'm alive. These guys are massive. You could fit a, you know, like a Volkswagen van in there. They're huge. Jonah is not thinking this. He, he's, he's, he thinks he's dead. You can tell from his language. He says he's in shale. 
So he thinks, I have really done it this time. I have fully disobeyed God. I went in my own direction. I, I was supposed to go northeast. I went southwest. I was trying to go to Tarshish. I got on this boat. God was so upset with me that he caused the boat to almost sink. They threw me overboard. I volunteered to commit suicide so that they would be fine. And now here I am in hell. So that is what, and by the way, you might be in hell right now. You might be walking through it or going through it. I could tell you straight up, if I've ever been in hell, other than one time I had to stay in Little Rock, Arkansas overnight, if I've ever been in hell, <laughs> it was January 10th of this year when we found out that Jude had Hodgkin's lymphoma, what he was just talking about. My wife and I, there's just not even a, there's no way to describe how we felt. We knew something was, we thought he was sick. We thought he had something going on with his lungs. They were going to give him like one of them things or something, inhalers, like an inhaler. We didn't even know. That's, that's kind of the level that we were thinking. So to go from that in one minute, from thinking that to hearing this, and then the, the, the way they were describing the severity of it and, and, and how high risk and how you will not graduate. You will not go to your prom. You will not do this. And just like he, I know they're saying it. So he starts understanding the severity, but like we're hearing it all too. And I mean, we prayed every night of his life for him. And it's just, it's hell. So I, I want to encourage people that are going through hell right now. And that are in a place in your life where you feel the pressure the dark, can you imagine how dark it was in the belly of that whale? No light gets in, pitch black. And this is where he is. But here's what I love about this scripture. As, as much of an idiot as Jonah was, and I, gotta, I compete with him. I've, I've been as big of an idiot as Jonah. But I love this. It says, from the belly of the fish, Jonah prayed, saying, I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol, I cried, and you heard my voice. It's not just going through hell. It's not just the fact that you're going through hell. It's what you do when you're there that makes a difference. It's not just that you're going through it. I look over it. My wonderful friend V, who walked through serious, intense cancer treatments years ago. I remember when V was going through all of those treatments and was going through some of the same things that Jude went through and not know, her not knowing whether she was going to make it or not. She was walking through hell. But I will tell you something, being friends with V and watching her walk through something like that. By the way, V, stand up and just, let, just wave everyone. You're so lovely. I want everyone to see you. You're such a beautiful, wonderful person. She's completely cancer-free, living for God, on fire for God. That's an amazing... By the way, we serve a miracle-working God of healing today. So if you need healing, you just saw two people in the same place on the same day that God healed. But I know that she cried out to God when she was in hell. Jude cried out to God when he was in hell. Jonah cried out to God when he was in hell. My wife and I, we cried out to God. You say, well, where did you cry out to God? In the family room of Nemours Hospital. There's, a, there's like a family room. It's like a little break room or something where some of the employees go in there and they cook their stuff and leftovers are there. People, people sit around and they look out the window and think and pray and contemplate. I just got down on my face right on the floor. I just put my face right on the floor and just laid there. I didn't know what else to do. I didn't have the strength to do anything else. See, but when, you, when you're in hell and you cry out, that's what makes the difference for you, is when you cry out. He says, for you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas. I think that is so important for us to realize that Jonah thinks he is being punished for the stupid things that he did in his life. We see this in David. When David said, God, I have sinned against you and you alone. 
Well, tell that to Uriah, whom he had murdered. Okay, he murdered Uriah, slept with Uriah's wife, Bathsheba, committed adultery adultery with Bathsheba. The, The weight of his sin Bathsheba had to deal with because the son that they bore together died. She knew it was because of his sin, so she lost a son. So David did all this stuff to all these other people, but to God, he said, I have sinned against you. What was he doing? He was doing the thing that nobody wants to do in the world that we live in today, which is raise their hand and say, it's my fault. We live in a world where everyone wants to come up with a reason why it's it's somebody else's fault. Nobody wants to say that's on me, actually. Put that on me. See, and to God, by the way, God's name, in case you're wondering or you think that you can convince God that you don't deserve something, the Bible calls him one of his names is he who searches the hearts. That's one of his actual names that is written in the Bible. One of it, you could call him Jesus, Prince of Peace, King of Kings, Lord of Lords, Elohim, Jehovah Megadus, Jehovah Rapha, Jehovah Nisi, he who searches the hearts, the lily of the valley. All of those are his names. He who searches the hearts. It means he knows your heart inside and out. And what I'm trying to tell you is that when you're going through difficulty, the commonality that great people in the Bible had with one another when they were going through difficulty is they were first the first ones to raise their hand and say, I deserve this. That's something that nobody wants to say today. Why? Because I think we have a flawed concept. Because when things, you know, I've, I can't tell you how many people I had say to me, and if you were one of the ones that said it, don't feel bad about my voice I'm about to use when I impersonate the people that said it to me. But people say, why do bad things happen to good people? It's a flawed question. Why? There are no good people. Where'd you come up with that? Jesus. Because a a young man walked up to Jesus and said, excuse me, good teacher. What did Jesus say? He said, why do you call me good? Nobody's good. Only God. I mean, he could have said, you're smart calling me good. Uh, Number one, because Jesus was good. Jesus didn't mean I have some hidden sin that you don't know about. No, no, no. Actually, what Jesus meant is I'm fully good. Nothing is wrong with me whatsoever. I'm actually the only good person that ever lived. But what I'm trying to teach you is you better start realizing that you're not good. Neither is anyone else on this planet without me. See, and I think the concept of I'm good, I don't deserve this, is the attitude that got Jonah in this place to begin with. So it's not until you come to a place where you can say, you know what, God? I have done enough that whatever I'm going through, I actually do deserve it. I've sinned against you more times than I can count. I have disobeyed you. I have made my own choices. I've made my own path. I have gone southwest when you told me to go north, northeast more times than I can imagine. No matter what happens to me, if I were to have died already, Any punishment that I were to receive, I would deserve it. So whatever I'm going through, and I'm just telling you that, you know, Sheena recently, uh, last couple of years, you know, have been amazing for her, her family, what God has done in her life since Dave passed away, her husband, she now has God has restored her life. She has an amazing husband, Juan, beautiful family. But some of the things that she had to listen to when she was reviewing some of the tapes that Dave made when he had cancer and and was, he died from cancer. And some some of the tapes that he made when he was talking about his struggles shared this exact principle in common. Is it at the beginning he, was, he didn't want to talk about the things that he did. But eventually he came to a point, he said, now I'm at the, to the point. And this is, these are very personal things that not, not everyone knows about. I talked about it a little bit in my book. But if you want to hear the heart of someone that really loves God and has a beautiful spirit toward God, 
Talk to somebody who's humbly walking through something like that. Because what Dave actually said is he said, now I started to realize if it's something that I did, I'm willing to, you know, I'm, I'm willing to raise my hand up and say it's my fault. I, I deserve this. But then he finally, once you get to that point, then you come to the point where you go, but I serve a merciful God. And that's not why this is happening. It's something else. It's God is sovereign and in his faithfulness. Now I realize, but you got to come to that point first. Will you say, if that's, if, if that's the way God wants to do it, that's fine. I'm not God. He is. I don't understand it. But the point is, if you're asking that question, why do bad things happen to good people? Maybe you think you're a good person. Maybe you think you don't deserve it. And you're going to miss the miracle. Because Jonah only got his miracle when he raised his hand up and said, you know what? I did do this. I did do these things. These are on me. This is on me. And it was once he finally admitted that he couldn't save himself. The very last thing he says from the belly of the whale is he said, salvation belongs to the Lord. Look at someone next to you say, stop trying to save yourself. Come on, look at him again and say, because you're not very good at it. And it says, I'm, I'm going to tell you something. We better learn to call on the name of the Lord if we're going through hell. Because when you're going through hell, your lucky rabbit foot ain't going to save you. When you're going through hell, your little horoscope ain't going ain't to fix nothing. I didn't think this was supposed to happen to Leo's. That ain't going to help you in hell. In hell... You better call on the name of Jesus. Jesus is the only name that can save you when you're going through hell. And a lot of us don't get that. We keep trying to fix it and do it on our own. And, and Jonah finally runs out of ideas. And when he says salvation belongs to the Lord, it's actually not a prayer of repentance. We all need repentance. It is a prerequisite to know God, but God can't truly use us and have us completely until we have repentance and we finally pray a prayer of resignation. Some of us have repented, but we still want control. That means we understand that Jesus as savior, but we don't understand him as Lord. Because the, the name Adonai means Lord and Master. Lord and Master. Some people say, I know Jesus as my personal Savior. Well, you don't need him anymore as your personal Savior. You're already saved. He already saved you. That's a done, that's a done deal. It's a one-time sacrifice. Now you need to work on Jesus being your Lord. Which means surrendering the bad habit of trying to bail yourself out of circumstances and learning how to admit that salvation is from the Lord. I love this story. I think we'll talk about this more next week, but I love that this whale, which seems like the worst situation in the world. I, I mean, just I'm trying to imagine just some of the details yeah, I mean, I'm not even going to get into that, but like, it just seems so bad, just really terrible. But isn't it amazing that this horrible experience was actually a sign of God's mercy? What does that mean? Well, let, let, let's put it in our own experience for a second. What is the hell that you've been walking through? What is the hell that you have felt like was going to be the end of you? Was it a, a situation with your family? Was it a sickness that you went through? Was it a financial collapse? Did you lose your job? Did you lose your friends? Did someone lie about you? Did you uh, get in a, an affair? Did you have an affair? Did you make some mistake? Or did you get addicted to something? Or what is it? What is the hell that you have been through that is that dark cloud where you're in the pitch black. 
You don't even know. I mean, you, you know, I mean, this is what Jonah went through. It's dark there, man. What, what is the thing that you have felt like that you can't get out of? And it's in that moment, whatever it is, that you have to come to the end of yourself. I tell you, there, there, something's happening here today. Something going on in this room. It's that moment that you have to say salvation belongs to the Lord. Salvation belongs to the Lord. It's only God that can get me out of the situation. It's only God that can get me out of the circumstance. Then here's what's crazy. That, that fish, the very place that those things I was just talking about, you're going, why is this happening? Why is this happening? I wish I didn't have to go through this difficulty. I wish I didn't have to go through this challenge. I wish it would just all go away. And see, you're for, you, you, then you're starting to remember, but I did disobey God. I didn't listen. There's so many times people tried to encourage me, build me up. I should have listened. I knew, the right, I knew what the right choice was. I just didn't want to make it. But here I am in this suffering. I'm just trying to, all of a sudden, you finally come to the place where you admit that you can't save yourself. All of a sudden, it says that the, 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 the fish vomited him up on the dry land. Now, here's what's crazy is when you look at the geography of where he got swallowed by the whale and where he got spit up, he got spit up closer to the place where God called him to go. Are you kidding me? You're telling me that when you're going through the darkest time of your life, the season of your life that you don't know why, you're telling me that God in his mercy could put you in a situation that you thought was sent to end you, but in that process, your heart is being humbled for the first time, your heart is actually being humbled, saying, God, I can't do it anymore. I can't fix it. I deserve it. I just want to give up and quit. But I wish someday I could come back to your holy temple like Jonah said. If I got the opportunity to go back and to do it all over again, I would tell people about your faithfulness. I would tell people about your goodness. I would tell people about your mercy. And then Jonah started to believe. And he said, I think you're going to save me. I think you're going to resurrect me. And you're telling me that the moment that fish spits you up, you look at the geography, you say, you got to be kidding me. I'm close to Nineveh now. The whole time God was moving you when you couldn't move yourself. He was moving you closer to your purpose. He was moving you closer to your destiny. Instead of sitting around and crying and worrying about why it happened to begin with, why don't you start rejoicing that you're closer to your destiny than you were yesterday? God has a purpose for you. He's got a plan for you. He hasn't given up on you. He has not abandoned you. He has not walked away from you. You are not being punished right now for what you have done. You are being protected by the mercy and the grace and the goodness of the God of the universe who has you exactly where he wants you to be right now. If you just lift your hands up to God and say salvation belongs to the Lord, he is going to do a miracle in your life. And that fish is going to spit you up on dry land, closer to your purpose, closer to your destiny than you were yesterday. But you have to give up first. You got to give up on your way first. I'm tired of trying to find my own way back home. If you're down here, the, I love the scripture in Lamentations. It says, let him bury his face in the dirt, in the dust. There may still yet be hope. It means that when you're here, what's the purpose of trying to keep whatever shred of dignity you have left? when you've been knocked down to your knees. 
It's not that far from your knees down here. What kind of prayers do you pray when you're down here? God, I don't understand. All I know is that through the years, Lord, I've done so many things that have hurt you and I've done so many things that I knew were wrong. But somehow in your goodness, God, you've loved me. In this hell that I'm in right now, Lord, is deserved, there's no doubt. Even if it doesn't work out, God, I know you're good and you love me. But I also know that you are a God of hope and a God of mercy. And I do believe you have the power, God, to do anything that you want to do. And if I ever got the chance, Lord, I'll tell the world of your faithfulness. I'll share your hope in a way I'll never think that I'm better than anyone else, God. I'll just love them. That I trust you, Lord. Those are the kinds of prayers that you pray when you bury your face in the dust. And it's only in that moment and in those kinds of moments where God can get a hold of the kind of heart that he's willing to use. You have that heart today. You have that heart. God brought you in this place today to get a hold of your heart. He loves you. He cares for you. Bury your face in the dust. Bury your face in the dust. Say it. Say, I will bury my face in the dust. Lamentations 3.25 says, The Lord is good to those whose hope is in Him. To the one who seeks Him. It is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. It is good for a man to bear the yoke while he is still young. Let him sit alone in silence, for the Lord has laid it upon him. What's a yoke? It's something that burdens you. Does that mean that God sometimes gives us burdens? According to this, it does. We're so afraid of suffering. Isn't suffering the thing that actually produces power in our lives? Isn't resistance the thing that builds our muscle? I haven't been doing as many push-ups lately or I'd be showing this off a little bit more. I'm kind of keeping it under here. <laughs> but isn't resistance... Isn't that the thing that builds our muscles? The pushback. The suffering produces perseverance. It produces power. But yet God lays it on us. Why? Because he's not going to give us more than we can bear. He sees the other side. But then it says, let him bury his face in the dust. There may yet be hope. For no one is cast off by the Lord forever. Though he brings grief, he will show compassion. So great is his unfailing love, for he does not willingly bring affliction or grief to anyone. Now, I do want to point this out. I think there are two kinds of suffering. Maybe more, but there's two kinds that I will make a distinction about today. I think there's suffering that's more like Job's suffering. That might be the question that throws some people off. Why do bad things happen to good people? Because if you're trying to categorize people by their obedience to God, we could come up with these things like good, average, medium, but that's the wrong standard. So I think there's a kind of suffering that comes and we don't understand why, because we can't see what's going on. Then you look at someone that's just a, gone rogue, like Jonah. So I think there's two different types. So you may be suffering today because of your own actions to some degree or more like Job. But either way, keep your heart fixed on God. Wait quietly. You really don't have a lot to do in the belly of a whale, do you? It's just, you just gotta, kinda gotta wait. 
So I would just encourage you today, cry out to God, hope, seek, wait, be quiet, and just humble yourself. Amen. I'm just going to ask everyone, uh, God's moving here today in a powerful way. So I'm going to ask everyone to just bow your heads and close your eyes for a moment. Those of you that are watching online, if you could just be reverent to the Lord as God is moving in this room and through this service online as well. If you need to cry out to God and you need to admit salvation belongs to the Lord, I cannot save myself. That is a pivotal. You need to pray a prayer of repentance, but also one of resignation today. The repentance prayer is that you need a savior, but resignation is that you need a Lord. Maybe you've done one, but not the other. You need both today. So if that's you all over this building, when I count to three, I'm gonna ask you to lift your hand up over your head. If you're watching online, I'm gonna ask you to lift your hand up right where you are. And also to type in the chat, I'm lifting my hand, I need Jesus. When I count to three, I believe that's a pivotal, powerful moment. Here we go, God's moving today. On three, hands up in the air. One, now is the time of salvation, the Bible says. Two, I believe God has drawn people here today for this very moment. The Holy Spirit is present in this room. Something's happening in this room. Three, hands lifted up all over the building if that's you. My God, that is so many people. I mean, just every section, that's unbelievable. Listen, I mean, we actually don't even do this. I don't think we've done this since last year at Blink, but if you've got your hand up, would you just look at me for a second? Hand up. Would you just step out from where you are? I want you to come down to the front of this building right now, and I want everyone else to give them a hand as they're coming. Every single person who had your hand up, would you come down to the front? I want to pray with you right here. I think something special going to happen down at the front of this building. So don't stop clapping until all these people are, are done coming. We're going to keep clapping loud until every single person that lifted their hand is going to come down to the front of this building. Come on, church. Keep clapping. Keep clapping. Keep clapping. Keep clapping. They're coming. They're coming. Come on. Just fill in this area down here. Come on. Come on. Continue to give them a huge hand. Keep coming. Come on in. This way. We've got to make room for some more. Come on. There's more people coming. My God. This is crazy. It's like blink. Whoa, wow, 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 they're still coming, okay. Wow, come on, keep giving them a hand, they're coming still. My Lord, come on, they're still coming, look, right over here. Jeez, jeez, come on, keep clapping, they're, they're coming from everywhere, wow. Wow, come on, keep these are still walking down here. More, 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 more. Come on. Hey, come on, keep clapping. They're still coming from everywhere. Wow. Alright, listen, I don't wanna I don't wanna I mean I'll go blink on y'all real quick. Uh, I mean if there's anyone here today, there's something happening here today. I feel like this is connected to the miracle that God did in Jude. I think that, that Jonah series everything came together in a special moment where this there's revival happening this is the seeds of revival for our city so i don't want anyone that is in this room to miss this moment if you're here and you need to come down i just everyone look at the person next to you and ask them if they need you to walk up here with them because sometimes people miss the moment but just look at the person on your right and left say you need me to walk up there with you if that's the case would you just take them by the hand Put your hand on their shoulder. Come on up here with them and walk down with them. Come on, there's people coming right now. Look, let's take a moment here before we move on and we pray this prayer. If there's anyone else that needs to come, come on, let's keep clapping until every single person is done walking up here. That's more people coming from every single section. Amen, amen. Anyone else? I'm gonna count to three and then I'm gonna pray. I don't want you to miss this moment. Here we go, one, anyone else? Two, don't miss this moment. Wow, there's more. Give them a hand, give them a hand. They're coming from over here. There's more right there. There's some coming from the back. Give them a hand as they're coming. Come on, that's two. Come on, there's two more right here. Give them a huge hand. Come on, clap your hands loud, church. There's more right there. Someone else coming from back there. All right, now look. God doesn't make mistakes. We do, but he doesn't. So whatever it is that you've been suffering through, whatever it is that you've been going through, 
You wonder why you're going through it. You wonder why you went through it. And there have been times you heard me praying up there. I wasn't praying a fake prayer. I was praying what I've been praying. I was praying the way I've been praying. You hear? You, you, you know what familiar sounds like. It's the kind of prayers that you pray when you don't understand what you're going through. But let me ask you a question. Is what you have been through worth it? That you're standing here right now knowing that God loves you and cares for you and he will never give up on you and he will never leave you. He will never forsake you. Anything is worth it that draws me closer to my God. You're here today and you are alive by his mercy and by his grace. It is not an accident that you have been through what you have been through. You have something to tell someone, a story to tell someone, a testimony to tell someone of God's faithfulness he would not quit on you he has never given up on you and he's not going to start today today is about his mercy for you and his love for you now i'm going to tell you something right now this world needs people with this story this world needs people who have been redeemed and saved from the belly of the whale by a god of grace and a god of love and is not afraid to tell the world we don't just need you to join our dream team at church so we can have more volunteers. That's ridiculous. We need people that have the message of the gospel that can go transform a broken, dying world. We need stories of people that are up here that say, my husband left me with a bunch of kids and I've been raising my kids alone. He's off, he's married to somebody else now. I, I had no income. I was homeless and I, was, I, I had nothing going on, but, I, but Jesus loved me. I was in the belly. They need that story, why? Because there's a thousand other people in this county that are going through the same thing. And when they find out that Jesus loves them and is not giving up on them either because he didn't give up on you, that's gonna make the difference in their life. So you use this story today. You use whatever God has done in your life. Don't you be ashamed of what you've been through. God is a redeemer. He takes broken, worn out, old and worthless things and he puts value into them again. Come on, put your hand on your heart and say, I have value today. Come on, say Jesus values me today. Come on, somebody say he showed me his mercy. I'm telling you, I look at your face right now. I believe every single one. They ain't a fake person up here. I'm telling you, I've, I, sometimes I see people that are up there. They're like, you're checking out the person's shoes next. And this is real right here. This is real. God is moving up at the front of this building. This is incredible. So let's pray this prayer together. Let's put our hands up in the air and just say this like you're saying it for the first time. Say, I ask you, Lord, to, to change my life from the inside out. I'm calling on you, Jesus. Salvation only comes from you you are the god of the universe you created this world and everything in it and i recognize that what i have been through was covered by your mercy to get me to this moment of true surrender i give it all to you take away my sin my shame my guilt my past it's a brand new day i'm starting over today but born again, walking into this new life with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Somebody better give God a shout, man. You better give him a shout today. Hey, what's up? Let's go. Come on. Wow. This concludes the teaching. If you'd like to support what God is doing here at City of Life, click on the Give button at www.col.tv or text a dollar amount to the number 855-997-6900. We hope you'll join us again.